What is going on? This is TJ Murphy and welcome to another episode of Adventurous Entrepreneurs. My guest today is Harry Spate. We ever had that uneasy feeling when thinking of sales, picturing that pushy car salesperson we've all encountered? Well, you're not alone. Many say sales just isn't my thing, but what if there's another way? Today, we're diving deep into the art of servant-minded selling, where sales and service blend seamlessly. Imagine the grace of a fine dining server where every sale is subtly interwoven with genuine assistance and care. Now, our guest today, Harry, spent a decade in mission work before embarking on his sales journey. Driven by the philosophy, serve first, the selling will follow. He penned the guide, selling with dignity. So if you've ever felt hesitant about sales or just seeking a fresh perspective, today's episode promises invaluable insights. Just a few of the golden takeaways Harry shares in this episode are why selling with dignity is the heartbeat of sales success, goal setting and living intentionally, and important life lessons learned from over a decade of mission work. So without further ado, this is me and Harry Spate. Welcome to the Adventurous Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm your host, TJ Murphy. Since quitting my corporate nine to five and starting a business while backpacking through Asia back in early 2017, I've had the privilege of learning from some incredibly adventurous entrepreneurs. Through these conversations and my own journey, I've learned that much like in life, entrepreneurship is an adventure. On this podcast, I explore the journeys of top performing leaders in their fields. These wide ranging conversations include tactical business advice, how I built this insights, lessons in leadership, life hacks, travel stories, favorite hobbies, and insights into living a purposeful and joy-filled life. Adventures await us, so let's dive in. Hey, Harry, welcome to Adventurous Entrepreneurs. Hey, it is great to be here, TJ. What's the good word? Oh, the word is good. We're, we're living the dream, and I'm excited about this conversation because we're going to talk about sales, among other topics that, that I'm passionate about. But before we do, what is one thing listeners should know about you or, or about your journey that will help lay the foundation for the rest of the conversation? Okay, great. Uh, well, maybe one thing is that I help people to be better at sales and I never really considered myself a salesperson. Love so <laughs> maybe the anti-salesperson, but doing things the opposite way has led me to great success over the years. So I'm happy to share some of those insights with you and your, your uh, great listeners. Wonderful. Well, we we are eager to learn. Sales is always a, you know, something that can be sharpened and a and a skill that can always be honed to be better. And I love the human approach that you take. But before we dive into that, you spent over a decade in mission work before transitioning to sales, and I think that's a unique experience. So I'm curious, how how did that experience in mission work ultimately shape your your philosophy towards selling? Yeah, I mean, it's it's so true. It's very unique and 100% it's all about serving. So doing mission work, you're, you're not doing that because you want to get wealth. You, you're not doing that because you want to get fame. It, you do it to serve people and live an adventurous life, by the yes. way. So yes. there's a lot of commonality here with your title because I remember when my wife and I were uh, in the Bahamas, we we're on a little vacation. And I said, wouldn't it be great to live on a tropical island and do our mission work there? 
And she kind of gave me a hesitant, yeah. And mm-hmm. within six months, we were living in the Dominican Republic. So love it. be careful what you <laughs> ask for uh, with me, because uh, I typically will find a way to make something happen. So yeah, so that that was the start of that journey. And it's we learned a ton from uh, living in a foreign country like that and how great it is in the U.S. and all kinds of things about serving others that can be applied to business. So a lot of great stuff. Were you in the Dominican for, for all those years or did you, did you bounce around? No, we, we bounced around. We did a lot of work in inner city stuff in uh, Massachusetts of all places. Wow. And then we were asked to go to St. Petersburg. And I was thinking St. Petersburg, Florida, what's going on down there? But St. Petersburg, Russia. Russia. Yep. And so uh, that was pretty cool. And we also were able to uh, chip away at the Berlin Wall a few months after uh, Berlin opened up and there was wow. one, one Germany, if you will. So uh, cool. that was pretty cool. So we got to meet a lot of great people and see different cultures. And that led to the, the bug of let's try this in a tropical island where the weather's great and completely naive, by the way, completely naive. We didn't understand what poverty was. We thought poverty in the U.S. was bad. No. Poverty in the U.S. is like the lap of luxury in some other countries. So it was a completely different uh, experience, but that's where you learn. That is where you learn. That's where perspective comes in. So what? let's let's bring things forward to what you're focused on today. Can you give us a little bit of background on on how you're serving people and and what got you from the mission work to, to how you're being of service today? Yes. So when I was leaving the mission work, uh, we left, I think my wife dropped this line. She said, uh, are we ever going to have kids? And so that got me thinking, it's like, well, they certainly couldn't travel around with us like this. So I started looking at ways I could create an income. And I had a small janitorial business that I ran and worked for peanuts, but it was my own thing. And I just didn't want to go back to that and build a business out of janitorial stuff. So I talked to a few people that said, you'd be really good at sales, not knowing that I wouldn't have been really good at sales because I was the complete opposite of most salespeople. It's like, ask for the order, you know, get past the no and all of this stuff. But anyway, fast forward, I built a great career, got into sales leadership. I became a vice president of sales for a Fortune 500 company in downtown Washington, D.C., which was like the highlight and then, you know, the last 10 years or so, I've, I've been in Florida and I worked for a small uh, family run business uh, leading their sales team. And so during COVID, well, 10 years earlier, I was talking to a friend uh, when I used to drink uh, pretty regularly. I, we had a few vodka martinis in us. And I said, I should write a book. I've got the best experience, the best story to tell. He says, you really should, Harry. You really should. You got a lot to offer. And that's, yep. I shelved it. I shelved it until COVID and it resurfaced after I was reading Think and Grow Rich. And that's where the idea popped in my head. That, I that became the COVID project. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. So for the next nine months, I wrote a book and I said, this is for people who don't like sales, know they need to sell and are going to sell from a place of service. And I can help those people. So that was the mission. That was the new mission, which coincidentally, I was going to name the book, Sell Like It's Your Mission, 
So it's still a toss up, you know, did I make the right decision changing it to selling with dignity? So who knows where that is. Awesome. Well, let's dive into sales because like you said, I mean, there's so many different ways to be effective at selling. And the key is to figure out what's natural to you, what's comfortable to you, what your unique selling style is going to be. But at the end of the day, I agree with you that selling is all about service. And many, many people, many entrepreneurs fear sales because they don't want to come off as being the the sleazy, pushy salesman or saleswoman. So how can people reconcile the need to sell with the desire to genuinely serve their customers? Yeah, I, I like the question. And it really comes down to the analogy I use is the fine dining restaurant. And who doesn't like to go out to a nice meal at a fine dining establishment with the white tablecloths, the crystal and great service throughout that whole experience from the time that the water is brought to you to the specialty cocktails being offered, the wine list, appetizers, you name it, that server is doing an impeccable job of serving. I asked the question, JT, do you think the server is selling? And most people are like, no. (laughs) And yet- Servers are being judged on the revenue they bring in. The ones that bring in more revenue get the better tables. So that type of selling, which is virtually unrecognized, is all about serving and making the ask. So serve, make the ask, serve some more, make another ask. And throughout the meal, you're getting these various questions about, you know, would you like to take a look at the, hear about our specials? everything though are all driven are all asked to drive sales up so that approach that servant-minded approach works in business and it will work in sales as well so let's let's take a an example of of kind of how you work with with people to help them become better at selling you know a lot of people it's a mental roadblock that they have and there needs to be a shift from seeing sales as a as a necessary evil you got to meet quotas you got to grow your revenue you got to do all these things to to be successful so how how do you help people to make that shift from you know whether it's seeing it as a necessary evil or having some kind of roadblock there to embracing it as a meaningful service where they can really step in with confidence and and start selling effectively yeah uh great question so just to clarify and some aspects if people are already successful in sales and you're doing it and you're not even thinking about it and you use terms like I had to go in for the kill and I'm always <laughs> closing, that's fine for you. Right. Yeah. So keep it I'm up. Not, I'm not, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not saying stop doing what works. It's just not for me and it's not for a lot of people. Yeah. So if for those who are servant minded and they have a great offer a great service to provide for humanity, to make their impact, to support their families, to provide, to get more uh, involved in the community, to have a better lifestyle. For those people who think that sales is gross, the first thing is to approach sales that it's not something that you're doing to somebody. It's something that you're doing for somebody. Just like the server is not serving to you they're serving for you they're not trying they they don't come up to you and say hey what kind of tip are you going to leave i want to know that first and that's going to tell you what kind of service i'm going to provide 
they just serve. They don't worry about it. Yeah. So if, if people can get into the mindset that sales is serving, that your people need what you have to offer, and you look for that and say, well, I don't want to be pushy, but if they're getting inferior service or product from someone else that you could do a better job, wouldn't you want to serve those people and say, I know I can help you and I've worked with people like you. Do you want to see what working with me looks like? Yeah, and just let is. go of the fact that you're trying to do something to somebody, but you're just making an offer to work with them and help them. And I think that approach has uh, helped quite a few people. Yeah. And in those situations, the the right mentality to adopt is that it is your responsibility. It is your duty mm -hmm. to help this person. And having that giver's gain approach where you're coming in and, and doing all that you can to provide value and help them to get past this inferior service that they're receiving or you know whatever that roadblock is, when you come in with that approach, for me, I've found it's it's much easier and you can come in with a lot more confidence when you know you're doing good. You're not just trying to to push something on somebody at the end of the day or do something to somebody like you described. Right. And it, it's not dirty. It's not dirty. You know, it's, it's not like you have to feel gross and say, okay, here comes the gross part. I'm going to make an <laughs> ask, right? Yeah, yeah. You, know, you, you just keep serving. And then when if people say, no, I'm, I'm not ready for that right now or yeah, I just don't think so. It's okay. Right. It's not, you don't have to like let it just crush you because you're just making the offer. It's sort of like the server saying, Would you like dessert? And you say, No. It's like, Oh my God, you said no to my dessert offer. Yeah. I'm not going to, they're done. not taking it personally. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so so that that's, yeah, talk that's a good, me. that's a good point. Like when, when faced with rejection yourself or, or just a particularly tough sale, do you have an example or, or how do you maintain your commitment to, to selling with dignity even when it's not going your way? Yeah. I mean, it, welcome to life in business, right? Yeah. Sales is <laughs> try to hide the emotion because there is a lot riding on it. And I was talking to a friend of mine, James Muir. He wrote the book, uh, The Perfect Close. And it's such a wonderful approach to asking for the business. I wish I came up with it, TJ, but I didn't. <laughs> James gets I, the credit. <laughs> James Muir gets the credit, the perfect close for anyone who's listening. Get that book or find James on YouTube. It's masterful. So I bring that up and I had him on the podcast, Sales Made Easy. I'll throw in a quick plug yep. um, so you can find him. And I asked him about this question. It's like, how do you do this where you take away the emotion? And there's my dogs. Okay. So he said, before he goes into a situation, he puts himself kind of in the zone and says, I know a decision is going to be made here. It may not work out for me. It may not be the exact type of decision I want, but I'm just going to keep serving, if you will. And I'm paraphrasing like heck on that. But it's just such a great approach. It's like, I'm going to get deals that I don't expect that are going to fall in my lap. And I'm going to lose some deals that I do expect that I worked really hard for. It all works out in the end. If you have a business and you're putting out the offers and you're serving people, you're going to make a living. I, I, 
it's just the way it works. I don't, I mean, <laughs> when people don't sell, I find out it's because they're not making the ask. Yeah. It, 100% of the time, they're not making the ask. And when you don't make the ask, you're not going to get the business. So that approach, try to just say, you know, I'm still going to be fed. I'm not going to live in a box underneath the overpass. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to keep living. I'm be, and the decision is going to be made. I'd love it for it to go my way. But if it doesn't, I'm still going to keep serving. And it's just a, it's a healthier approach, I think. Absolutely. What's your thought on that? Yeah. I mean, for, for me, it's definitely become uh, a realization from, and I would love your, to get a story from you in a second here. But when I started selling, when I started my business, I didn't have a, a background in sales. Mm. I, I was a marketing guy working behind the scenes in, in my corporate career before this. And so it was something that I would look to others to see how they would do it. And I would try to adopt their scripts, their style of communication. And some were very direct. Some were a little bit more of what I had now. And I fumbled my way through it. I, I definitely know that if I listened back on some of those early sales conversations, it would not come across as the authentic TJ that I am today. But it was important and, and critical to get past that roadblock of not asking for the sale. I mean, if you don't ask no one and not just for sales for anything in life, if you don't ask for it, it's not just going to magically fall into your lap. And it is your responsibility. If you know that what you have can provide value and will benefit your customer, then it's your duty to ask. So learning that part was critical, but then finding through practice and also just realizing that I don't need to be somebody else. Everybody has a different way of selling. I need to find what's unique and comfortable and, and genuine to me that things really started to click. So, yeah, that's so good. You're so where you progressed, a lot of people get stuck with. Yeah. Cause you said, well, I'm going to find the approach that works for me. Whereas some people would just shut down the whole thing. I just heard, I mean, I hear this frequently the sales is icky, right? And so I, I love that expression because I just think of goo and nobody wants to be around. Like uh, if you change your oil in your car, you don't want to be around the slime and the gross stuff and put your hand in something that's disgusting. And if that's the way you're thinking about sales versus I got to find a way that I can do this that works with me, works for me. And that sounds like what you did. And I love the trial and error, right? You you find your approach by listening to other people at times and saying, yeah, that one didn't work out so well. And I've yeah. done the same, right? Where I've, I've mimicked behaviors and I said, no, that doesn't, that's not me. That doesn't Can't work do it, for me. Right? So yeah. you do it once or twice and say, nope. And then they, uh, you find the approach that works, which is uh, fine. It's all part of the growth. Yeah. Which is why it's so critical to review your sales calls to to record your sales conversations when you can because that is where you learn the most is is being critical of yourself and and seeing what worked well what didn't taking notes and and applying those changes in the next conversation so for you it sounds like you know serving was always or at least very quickly became the focus of it but was there a a period when you were just getting started where you didn't have that all figured out and, and it was more of a struggle. And was there a, a shift when you started applying this philosophy where you witnessed a drastic change in the sales outcomes that you were having? Yeah, big time. Such a great question. I was in a sales bullpen. If, if you guys have ever seen movies like The Wolf of Wall Street, <laughs> Boiler Room, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, it's 
a bunch of guys in a wide open room, shoulder to shoulder on phones and managers kind of giving, uh, you know, some guidance to what people need to be doing. So here I was mid thirties, everyone else newly out of college, bunch of white shirts and ties, give you an idea, a lot of testosterone in the room. <laughs> and this is why I said, Oh, this is my life. I was just riding around in a motorcycle in the DR a few months ago. Now I'm cramped in this room and I need to sell stuff and I signed up for it. So there was no going back. And, you know, for months, I just, I kept, all I did right, I think was learn about my product that I was selling and built relationships with others in the sales bullpen. I didn't have business acumen. I really didn't know my product when I started making calls. So I was apprehensive. I didn't know how to sell. I didn't have, you know, I, I, I read uh, the greatest salesman in the world, mm, which had a book. great philosophical <laughs> view of sales. Are you familiar with the book? Yeah. 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 It's, it's awesome. And, uh, so I will persist until I succeed. I will greet each day with love in my heart or a couple of things that resonated with me. It's like, I love everybody. This is going to be easy and I'll persist, but I don't know how to persist. I don't know what the heck I'm doing. And finally, after months of uh, goose eggs on the big whiteboard on the end of the sales bullpen, my name at the bottom, zero next to my name and zeros are not good in sales, by the way. <laughs> uh, so I finally got a break. And as I was getting this deal, the buyer actually had to ask me, says like, Harry, how do we get what you sell? How do we get it? I'm like, I didn't call my manager because I don't even know. Oh, uh, that's how, yeah, that's how bad I was. But I was, I remember uh, one of the drives was uh, when I was driving, I don't know if I was driving home, driving to the client, but I said, I am going to be the best customer service minded person there is in sales. I know how to do customer service. I didn't realize that serving, you know, selling from a place of service was a thing back then, but that's really how it was. It started with customer service and it just evolved into this selling with dignity, but yeah, it was, it was definitely a learning curve for me. Oh, thank you for Long sharing. answer. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's a good it, stories are always what we're looking for here. And I'm I'm curious because selling in today's day and age is is different than it was 20 years ago. You know, most deals that I have are done right here over Zoom and yeah. it's a little harder to create human connection and people are emailing or prospecting through social media. So I'm curious when you're when you're meeting with folks, how how do you help them to in an era dominated by like digital stuff and, and automation, how can people remain authentic and genuine in their conversations and, and making connections with potential clients? Uh, yeah, such a great question. The thing that I look at is I'm a huge fan of Gary V and yeah, Alex Hermosi. I love them. Right. <laughs> okay. So uh, just, just being out on video, and providing, I used to say, provide value for people. And I would do these podcasts. I have my own podcast. It's like, you got to provide value. Someone once said to me on their show, they said, Harry, I hear provide value all the time. What does that really mean? It's like, yeah, good question. Providing value is the perceived value that your potential client sees as valuable. 
not stuff that you see as valuable. Yeah. It's like, what do your, what does your ideal client need? And my ideal client needs to sell better. So I provide, and I want to provide incredible value every time I am on video, which is every day um, on social media and in every conversation. When it becomes about me or I'm frustrated or tired or, you know, like it's three o'clock in the afternoon. What time is it? Okay. So it's three o'clock in the afternoon on the East Coast. I'm still fired up, but I recognize that there are times it. of the day that I'm not, and I have to kind of get in the zones. Like, how am I going to serve this person across from me? So for all of you who are selling and you have a business, so if you have a business, you have to sell. Think instead of how am I going to close this person? How am I going to get business? Think how am I going to provide incredible value for this person today? And when you go in with that mindset, it's you're light years ahead of everyone else who's trying to sell because True. now it's all about them and people care not about what you sell. They care about themselves and they want to be better. And if you have the answer then that relationship of you providing incredible value is going to go in the right direction. Yeah, it's What's great advice. Yeah. And and especially the the content piece. So in this day and age, like if we're selling anything, whether it's in business for yourself or for someone else, your personal brand is paramount. And everything yeah. that you do well, you can amplify through content and especially good value-driven video content where you know, you're positioning yourself as that authority figure. So I love that that's what you do. Obviously, that's what Alex and Gary both both preach and practice. And it's tremendously valuable. So and it'll also help you in your sales conversations. I've found the better I be become at having these types of conversations, whether it's through a podcast or creating content, you just become better at at speaking into your ideal customer avatar, the people that you are providing value to. So yeah, it so hurts good. in the beginning. It's hard to get started, but doing <laughs> that work will pay off in many, many avenues throughout. Oh your my life. God. So true. I, you know, when I started three years ago in 2020, a friend of mine asked me if I wanted a podcast and no, before that, uh, he's ca called me out on uh, LinkedIn for something, uh, something about positivity or whatever. He's doing a contest or a challenge. And I said, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna do a video. I know I have a video in me. I'm gonna do a video. This is 2020, folks. Nice. The the video was like three minutes of me babbling. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was. I can't even watch 30 seconds of it today, TJ. It's horrible. But that got me started. And then I slacked off. I said, yeah, no one watches these videos. I get two likes, you know, seven views. What's the point? So then I stopped. Then I had a conversation from someone who is crushing it on video like three or four months ago. And he said, look, provide massive value on every video, short videos, 15 seconds long, hit Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and Facebook says so you do that every day for a year. You're gonna you're gonna crush it. So I do that. I've, I've been doing it now for three months. I have people that show up on my calendar periodically that I have no idea where they came from. And I said, "Well, how'd you find me?" And they said, "I saw you on your video. I've been watching your videos." It's like cool. Yeah. This stuff works. 
It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah, that's the law of attraction. You put, put yourself out there and things will, will happen. And it's, it's a practice. It's a habit that needs to be formed, but I learned it the same way from a mentor that I was seeing, just crushing it, posting daily, twice a day for multiple years and just wow. seeing yeah. the results that he had from that. I was like, all right. Oh my God. You got it. So you, you know, this world, right? You know, the marketing, the digital marketing world, you understand a B testing and so forth. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I'm, I'm learning all this, right? You start a business, you learn about marketing. I've got the sales thing down, but I'm still learning about the marketing. Yeah. So, you know, this, this thing where you just said they've been doing it for multiple years. I came up after a few, a few video posts. I mean, multiple years. I mean, it was like multiple posts. It's like I gave up. Yeah. And when I hear the stories, like Alex Ramosi said, you know, for it took me six years. And people will, I mean, we're all kind of, we, we all want stuff to happen overnight, yeah. but we don't think of doing something for years to get success. But it's that's the way it is. I mean, do we want we want the, the lucky break? But I mean, look at Steve Jobs. I mean, look at the hours and the years that people put into their business. And three years they can have a great year and say, I made it. And then the fourth year is crap. And this is again, there's no rules. This is the journey you're on. This is not the comparison world. All the things that we do are unique to us, which I love. We cannot compare ourselves. So hearing the stories, though, about the longevity that's required to me is inspiring, not discouraging. Yeah, What's your thought? I couldn't agree that? more. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, it's yeah. it's about long-term thinking, content, sales. It's all going to take time. It's a, it's a long ball play. And it's not about the first repetition. It's about the thousandth repetition. Mm. And yeah. if you give up after being bad, after only trying something one time, like you're saying, look at all of the most successful stories that are out there. They're all filled with failure, years of failure, hundreds of failures. It takes reps to get good at something. So no matter what you do, what you sell, you got to get the at-bats. You got to take the reps and you got to just keep showing up day after day after day learning and implementing new things along the way. So oh my goodness, that's so good. I, you know, you just made me think about going into a batting cage. Yeah. I used to play baseball when I was like 12 years old and I wanted to see what like 80 miles an hour was like in a batting cage. <laughs> I've been there too, man. Right. I've been there too. <laughs> yep. Nope. I missed that one clean off. So yeah. How you many, gotta, you gotta how many reps up. would it take? To just make contact, right? A lot. I think yeah, exactly. Today, it would take so me I, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the this is just a great the thought where you just came across where you just got inspired me in that. It's like you don't give up. If it doesn't work after 10 swings, you don't give up and say, I'm no good at baseball, or I'm no good at golf, or I'm no good at video, or, or I'm no good at sales. You had 10 reps. Yes. Yeah. Not enough. Change up your swing. Yeah. Review, have someone record you, review what you look like, what what's going wrong here, get some feedback. Got to create that loop and yeah, exactly. that's where the growth happens. Yeah, so a bit right. of a transition here, Harry. Okay. I wanna I wanna bring things into something that I know is, is important to you as well. So this is a podcast about entrepreneurship. We've been talking about sales, but one of the biggest hurdles that most people, certainly most successful entrepreneurs, face at one time or another is 
living a well-rounded life and doing the things that bring us joy with the people that we care about most. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, what does living a well-rounded life look like for you? And given the theme of your podcast and talking about sales, but also the intentionality behind it, living an intentional life, how does your approach to sales align with intentionally and, and purposefully designing the life that you want to live? Yeah, it's a great question and requires some thought. But the uh, the thought that's going through my mind is I hear over and over again that business is a grind, sales is a grind, and that you have to endure the grind. And I don't look at it that way. It's just life is too short. And I have had those moments. When I was in Washington, D.C., I worked until, I mean, I left my house somewhere around 5.30, 5.45 a.m. And I got home somewhere around 7. And it was a 90-minute commute each way. This was the life I lived. This is the life I chose. And then I started thinking about, what am I accomplishing staying here so late and missing my kids' sports games? What am I accomplishing? Can I do, can I get the same result by knocking off an hour early instead of staying an hour late? And that's where the shift started to happen because I went from grind, we're all in the grind, to the years are slipping away on me and I'm missing out on opportunities to be with my kids. And now it's just like when I hear that people say that, I say, no, don't. Because you're you're living a miserable life that you're calling it a grind does not sound fun to me, right? Can we agree on that? Right? Okay, nobody, not, nobody likes to grind, maybe for right. short bursts, but yeah. you know. <laughs> right. It's it's not fun. So if you're now just grinding, looking for the goal, that means you're grinding, grinding, grinding until you get to the goal. I say enjoy life as you approach the goal. And you can do that. And it's really, Absolutely. you do the same stuff, but it's mindset. And you say, I'm going to knock off this afternoon. I'm going to go hang out with my wife. We're going to do something fun. I'm going to take a vacation. All the stuff that is going to, we're going to miss is we're going to, it's, it's never going to end. We never clear up the to-do list where there's nothing left. <laughs> right. There's always, always something more. that needs to be done. So what's your thought? Oh, I couldn't agree more. I mean, that that is how my wife and I have, have really set out to live our lives. We decided pretty much right out of college that we didn't want to grind, 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 starting out in the corporate nine to five world just to to reap a, a reward 40 years later when we <laughs> retire, like like my parents certainly did, which nothing wrong. They they provided an amazing life for me. And I just knew that I wanted to enjoy it to the fullest here and now. And build a ultimately build a business but design my my work life around living the fullest and and most you know impactful life for myself for my friends for my family for my community wow. here and now and if you're not designing your business or your job around the life that you want to live somebody else is designing it for you and you're so good you're you're paying somebody else's time there so have you lived before, TJ? Because that's like uh, <laughs> no, I just get to learn that. from from wise people like you, Harry. You know, <laughs> that was one of my my main desires for starting a podcast was 
you know, I don't care if this thing gets, like you said earlier, one view or a million views, as long as I'm learning and, and growing mm -hmm. in the process, then that's of benefit to me. And if I'm having fun along the way, then I'll keep doing it. So. Yeah, it's so great. It's refreshing to hear um, what you just said. I tried to pass that on to my kids, which I find interesting is if you've, you, when you're my age, right, you, you know what the whole corporate suck is like, right? They, <laughs> yep. they will take you and take everything good from you and then spit you out when you reach a certain age and say, we need some young blood in here. That kind of happened to me, I think. It wasn't really obvious, but it, it could have been a situation with me. So there's no loyalty is what I'm saying. Yeah. And what I find amazing is that I could go to Facebook any day and find some parent congratulating their kid for getting a degree in a certain topic that will put them in the corporate world for the next 30 years. And it's like, don't you just told me you hate, the, you call it the rat race, and you're now promoting it. It's like, you got to stop and just say, are we continuing the madness? Or do we have a guy like TJ here that says, yeah, I want to design my own life. Who says that in their 20s? Right? <laughs> yeah. Not too many. I mean, I don't know Not how old many. you are, but it sounded like you had the conversation in your 20s. Oh, it was. 20s. Yeah, I just yeah, turned 30 phenomenal. this year. I just turned 30 this year and you know, started having that conversation. Gosh, yeah. 24, 25, yeah. after after really? a couple years of, of getting just a taste of of the corporate world and not feeling very fulfilled, not feeling like I had that freedom or or anything that that I wanted long term. So we just we burned it all to the ground and decided we would go travel the world for a year and a half and figure out what we wanted to do with our lives. And that's exactly what we did. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. You and I are similar. Sounds like, so yeah, cool stuff. Yeah. And that's a good segue as we, we wrap up here. I, I queued this up before we started talking, but I have a choose your own adventure question for you. So you can pick which one you'd like to answer or, or both if you so desire, but okay. number one would be what's a favorite place you've, you've visited in your life, a trip that you went on, or second would just be uh, an adventure that you went on that was was memorable. And in either case, what was it like? What made it so memorable? Maybe a lesson learned, a, a funny story, a favorite meal or, or drink you had. Give us a story. All right. So the I've got to go with the DR, the Dominican Republic, because of my naivete. I was thinking that when we were in the Bahamas in a resort on a private beach, that somehow doing mission and mission work in the Dominican Republic would be very similar. And was soon, and we knew Spanish, right? Because I had Spanish in high school, like 10, 15 years earlier. Okay. So we we make all the arrangements. We get one-way tickets to the Dominican Republic. We're feeling pretty good. My wife was horrified, but I was feeling pretty good. We get off the plane. Immediately, I knew I did not speak Spanish. And <laughs> I knew that this was going to be a crazy journey because here we were in a third world country, tons of people coming up to the fresh Americans that just landed and they were going to ask us for money in a language we didn't speak. And we were just escorted, pulled in a bunch of different directions. And that whole experience of learning, I mean, within two days, I lost my wallet. 
I was on a bus for going to the beach. Uh, I was foolishly had my wallet in my back pocket. I got off the bus and uh, <laughs> was I, I, I was reaching for my wallet. Sure enough, it was gone. I jumped back on the bus. Again, no one speaks English. They're like, who's got my wallet? I dropped my wallet. It's like, oh my God, horrible, horrible start to this whole thing. Yeah. But you know, the beauty of the island, when you get past the poverty and you just find the humility of the people, people would feed us everywhere, right? No, no matter where we went, we were like, you need we're to come to my hungry. house. <laughs> right? You need to come to my house and eat something. It's like, who are these people? But that's that. So we learned hospitality. It's just a great experience is that, you know, people with the least amount are the most hospitable. They care. They'll give you the, the uh, you know, there's literally the shirt off their back. It's just incredible. So that experience stays with me for life, right? It's just yeah. incredible. I'm glad you I'm glad you had that experience. It's certainly proven true time and time again throughout my travels. The people with the least care the most. Mm. And those types of experiences are yeah, life-changing in some cases to see the yeah. pure generosity and kindness of humanity in action. So 100%. Yeah. The the the, the world is filled with great people. It's true. You know, we we are uh you know, we're jaded. We, we complain too much. We got too much politics going on. But when you start having conversations with people, it's like, and we're all the same. There, there's so much commonality, so many cool people out there. It's just, you know, you got to give it a chance, have conversations with people. You'll see. It's great stuff. Amen to that. So as we close things out is if there was one thing, I'll put it that way. If there was one thing our listeners could do today to improve their sales process and and live more intentionally in their business, what would it be? Yep. Uh, simple. Provide incredible value for the person across from you, wherever you are. Make their day, make your client's day, make your prospect's day, make them say, this was really incredible. And when they say that to you, I mean, you've got, they may not buy today, but you've got someone in your tribe and uh, that's going to go a long way. So instead of thinking about taking, think about serving incredibly yep. and good things will happen. Uh, absolutely. And I'd add one thing to that, which will make that an easier process is, is putting the time in before the conversation starts. Like do oh your research. God. Even if you've only got 15 minutes, you can find something about that client or about that business that'll allow you to provide more value and come in prepared where they're like, oh, Okay. Yeah. This guy, this guy gets it. He's here to help. And that's going to help you win more. Yeah. hundred percent. That is, that is a must. If, if, if at all possible, do the research. I totally concur. Great point. All right, Harry. Well, where can people find and support you online, podcast, website, socials, yep. things like that? Well, you can Google my name, and I'll be everywhere, but selling with dignity will also get you pretty much everywhere on where I am on social media. So I'm on TikTok, YouTube, but uh, sellingwithdignity.com is a good place to go. And you'll find podcasts there, book downloads, um, my social media. And my goal is every day to provide, make the world a little bit better and to help people who are want to grow their business and uh, make an impact. I'm here for you. Awesome. We'll put links to everything in the show notes to make it easy for folks. And Harry, really, really appreciate you joining me. This has been an awesome conversation. 
really refreshing to to hear your perspective on on selling and just some of your life experiences. So thank you for joining me. Awesome. It's been a blast, TJ. To all of our adventurous listeners, thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Please be sure to subscribe, download, and share this on social media or with someone you know will get some value from it. Leaving a review goes a long way in helping people find the show. And I personally appreciate reading them when they come in. So please go drop one if you have the time. We'll see you all next week. And remember, whether we're talking about business or the things that bring us joy outside of work, life is meant for exploring. So go out there and live it one adventure at a time.